what role does storytelling play within your community, within your ecosystem? I think that's the meta story I come back to where that's what I think people actually want to see. I think people actually want to see the behind the scenes. They actually want to see a bunch of fucking people making a company that's in this fucking weird world of Web3 with magic internet money, figuring it out along the way and, and being a part of that story. And to me, that's way more exciting than the Wizards of Cab Cabrovia or like, you know what I mean? The fucking <laughs> mystical elf or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I actually don't think people get excited about that as much in crypto as they get about the meta story. So that was that insight that we had and just trying to do that in an artistic way. Welcome to the NFT Now podcast, your go-to source to succeed in the fast-moving world of Web3. I'm Matt Medved. I'm Alejandro Navia. And I'm Sam Heisel. Each week, we interview visionary creators, builders, and collectors so you can stay up to date on the most important trends and tactics for the internet's next frontier. Here we are, NFT Now podcast. Who we have on today, Ale? Yo, we have Frank D. Gods on the fucking podcast. Living legend. You know, I'm grateful that he's here with his liver. However healthy he is, that's a different story. <laughs> but uh, we're super excited to have him. He's the founder of D. Gods Utes. And he's also uh, a co-founder of D. Labs, which is kind of the parent company of this. And it's one of the most successful um, projects on Solana that just bridged over to Polygon and ETH, which is massive, made massive waves. And um, I'm super excited. What are you looking forward to having in the conversation, Matt? I feel like he's in a class of his own when it comes to NFT project founders. And I think he brings the energy. I think that he engages with the community so well. He has a real innate sense of how this space works and how to continue to get his narrative across and to weather challenges that come along the way. Uh, I'm really excited to dive into his head. I'm excited to hear about how he ticks. I'm excited to learn about how he works and where he's going. Yo, that's so amazing. Before we get to the episode with Frank, I just have to be a quick reminder to please subscribe to our newsletter. Go to nftnow.com. Get your notices on your email every Wednesday. Get the alpha straight from us, you know? Get the newsletter. Without further ado, who do we have on that? Frank DeGods. Frank DeGods in the house. NFT now office. How are we feeling, man? It's been a week. Yo, it's so bright in here. The future's so bright. We needed the <laughs> yeah, shade. Yeah, we needed the shade. We needed the shade. Um, definitely <laughs> not for any other reasons. Yeah, it has it's nothing to do with uh, being Friday. No, it's been a really responsible week of hard work. And so, uh, yeah, just excited to be here. A lot of hydration. Lots of hydration. A lot, yes. of, a lot, lot yeah. of stimulation. Yeah. You That's know, right. yeah. there it is. Liver is stimulated. Uh, well yeah. hydrated yeah, yeah. <laughs> pressure testing the floor on this liver right now I mean, Ooh, how's yeah. it holding up <laughs> dude the blur farmers are getting to it right now <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Yeah. oh man well you just wait well yeah i know you have a lot on this week with uh with dnyc uh tell us a little bit about that yeah so the idea we like to problem solve in a creative way so the thought process was hey everyone's booking hotels to go to nft new york in the d gods community what if we booked like in bulk, the best hotel in New York, public hotel, shout out. Um, but what if we booked the best one in a in a block and then just kind of resold that to the community so we could all stay together and kind of plan like our own internal uh, series of events throughout the week. And so we've been trial running that this week. And I think it's been uh, really memorable, like pretty, pretty. What are, some of the, what are some of the highs and what are some of the lows? I mean, I think the highs are definitely we had this, we're having this ongoing treasure hunt. Um, and, you know, there's a subsection of the community that's participating really hard in it. Mm -hmm. There's people on Twitter that are calling the people participating in it 
cringe. And, uh, <laughs> oh, and the, fun, the, the funny part is like, you know, by the time this airs, those guys that were quote unquote cringe that participated are all going to win PS5s, D-Gods, you know, like all these different, uh, you know, different pretty awesome uh, prizes. And so, you know, sometimes cringe is worth it. If that's cringe, yeah. like sign me up. No, you know I know. I, mean? <laughs> I, I actually kind of have FOMO right now. Like, what am I doing here? No, right I, now? You know, like, I can I can hold down the interview yeah. if you want. <laughs> I'm gonna go to the back. No, as long as you go 50 on that. <laughs> oh, I, I have to say that uh, credit to the team. I did not write the bounties and like the challenges people have to do for the scavenger hunt. One that I'm conflicted that's on there is. One of the challenges you have to go to a hot dog stand and ask to drink a cup of the hot dog water. Oh, it's pretty heinous, and like way too many people in the community have done this. Oh my god! Uh, but yeah, you know those are those videos that you make. You know when Drifter shoots, posts those videos like of him over a skyline, and you feel queasy in your yeah, stomach. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that with the hot dog water. Ooh, um, truly, yeah. So Especially it's good content. Yeah, yeah. It's that, it's that visceral feeling. Has that know? become like a badge of honor, like the hot dog water? Well, I think I hope. Have you drank the hot dog? No, I am not yet. Not yet. Hey, Stefan, go get us a little bit of hot dog water. Oh, you know, we won't know. He's busy right now. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I totally would, but no, I think that there is this element where I think I learned it at UCLA College, like this idea of whether it's you know joining a fraternity, like these the hazing rituals, whatever it is, and I think you know drinking from a shoe, doing dumb shit with your friends. As silly as it might sound, there's something that's intrinsic to human psychology that just makes that a bonding moment where you're going to tell your friends that story. Yeah. You're going to look stupid, whatever it is. But uh, if you know, you know. And yeah, if you know, experience. you know, you might win a fucking D-God by drinking the hot hey. dog water. Hey, dude, for Facts. currently like about 20 bands. Like, I mean, I think a lot of people, <laughs> would, drink, a lot of people uh, would drink the hot yeah, dog water. Yeah, I think water. a lot of people would drink a hot dog water. So it, it's... Uh, so Frank, you yeah, touched on something really interesting, man. Um, and I'd love to dive into two questions here, but I'll ask the first one. You're starting to put the cult in culture. Like, let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the, the bigger the internet gets, the more you need to have a diehard group of people that are excited about whatever you're doing. And without that, everything becomes a commodity. And so for us, I think it became abundantly clear early days when we first launched eGods, the idea was to almost be a, a builder project. So people don't remember this because they don't talk about it. But, you know, the first thing that we launched with eGods was our own custom marketplace and barely anyone used it. They just used the main ones. And then we were like, OK, nobody wants the marketplace and we're not that good at making a marketplace. Let's make a blogging tool for creators. So we made the first a uh, blogging tool on Solana that let you tip creators. And we like spent a month and a half building out this entire tool, got a bunch of people to write for it. And nobody got excited about it after we launched it. Everyone dumped it. Everyone dumped D-Gods. They were like, what's the point of this? And then we tried again and we made a private Reddit style forum called D-Palace. This is December, 2021. And we kept like taking these months to two month long, de like, you know, developing periods where we try to build out this tooling for our holders, for the broader, you know, NFT ecosystem, whatever it is. And in the, in the time in between to buy ourselves time, we did like these community bonding things. One of them was called D-Gods Week, where we basically had a bunch of bounties and we're like, hey, go do these bounties and you have a chance at winning a D-God. And we were doing that to basically buy time as like a side activity. And it wasn't until December 2021 where things were really capitulating and uh, the community was just dying out that we realized, hey, this entire time we've been trying to, quote unquote, build utility. But what's the utility intrinsically that everyone really gets excited about and wants? 
it's the crazy shit. It's like making friends in the community. It's seeing all these people rep D gods in these insane different insane ways. And there was this massive pivot we took coming into 2022 where we realized that the culture and the community is actually this intangible thing that people are looking for in NFTs. But because people are spending so much money on NFTs, they can't tell themselves or believe hey, like it's actually intangible value that's driving a vast majority of the market and this ecosystem. And so once we understood that, I think at the time, a more unique insight changed our entire approach. And now it's really just about building an excellent membership club and a club where people enjoy talking to each other just as much as they, you know, enjoy watching the price action or like finding out what the next thing that the team is going to do, et cetera. Like, um, and that I think is, why there is such an insanely strong community with D gods and youths at That's the core. Really amazing, man. Yeah. So um, the second part of that question yeah. is where does the D come from? Like where D gods, D labs, you know, like DNYC, what, what does that come from? What's so, the source of that? Um, two things. I think one, uh, it was a cheap domain. So when we bought dgods.com. <laughs> hey, sometimes the doctor. No, I have a rule. I think like the, my, my rule on domain names is it has to be, you know, $10 or less. Because if you're buying like a domain, I do think you're probably not going to win on SEO for the most part. And uh, it just, you want like something that's relatively unique. So both D-Gods and Utes, you know, if you search both of those terms, like D-Gods is going to be the first thing that comes up. Utes is going to be the first thing that comes up. It's the only thing that comes up. But I think when we were first starting, at the time when we launched, everybody was doing animal collections, basically. Like everybody and their, everybody and their mom was doing animal collections. And we wanted to just do something that, was different than everything else that was coming out. So we asked ourselves, like, what's better than a animal, like a god or any type of mammal or being? Take like it god. up a notch. Yeah. <laughs> so that's when we landed on gods. And D gods, honestly, just came from us trying like 50 different names with gods, Solana gods, you know, <laughs> like the gods or like whatever. And and none of the domains were available, but dgods.com, dgods.app, dgods.xyz, all of the different domains were available. So I kind of swept the floor on all the D gods domain TLDs. And um, yeah, like that's how we got to D gods. I love that. I love that, man. <laughs> yeah. And dollars or less, baby. Dude, that's, that's, a that's, smart. that's a great that's smart. rule, man. That's smart. It's a rule. Yeah. 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 You just want to, yeah. You want to make sure that the name can flourish. And I think it's, stand on its own. Right? Yeah. 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 Because now, now D gods, when you think about it, it's its own thing. Yeah. Like you don't even think necessarily about gods and all that. Yeah. It's just like it's because it rolls off the tongue it, or rolls off your mind. Yeah. You know? And um, I think that that's just it's sometimes people focus on the wrong things when it comes to NFTs. And I'd argue like if your name right now is like, come doge you know what i mean like whatever goblins or whatever it's like you're gonna have a hard time scaling a project honestly if you just don't have a good name so i'd say like focus pretty heavily it's like one of those things that's small but matters a lot and i think a lot of the top projects today have like pretty dope names or unique names and that that helps a lot totally totally yeah and you know you guys did a lot of interesting things at the beginning like you guys took chances you took some swings you took some misses you know like tell us a little bit about some of those early kind of ups and downs you know let's talk like the paper hands bitch tax like all of that you know it's fascinating yeah i think so the the one of the things being at new york getting to meet a lot of holders that have been there from the mint you you realize like there's a certain type of people that got attracted to d gods early on again we just didn't realize this is the kind of the kind of people we were attracting but for example, our roadmap on our original website was like shitty. I think it was like literally five bullet points. And it said like shitty uh, Redbubble merch, um, <laughs> dinner at Applebee's, like coupons included. Like, like just a very sarcastic meta yeah. commentary on 
2021 fall, like, you know, Q3, like, bro, you know, that's literally the roadmaps people were dropping. They were like merch, IRL events. And so we just thought, let's be funny about it and do like the Applebee's, Redbubble, like just make that kind of uh, ironic. And that's the same thing with the paper hand bitch tax. And I'd argue a lot of the stuff that we do today, there's like a deeper commentary that I'm, I don't want to attract like, you know, intellectual nerds to D gods, to be honest. Like I want to attract people that are excited about the meta commentary, but also just appreciate the brand and the project and the people in it. And so, yeah, I think a lot of the stuff we do, what I've learned the through line is for the stuff that works is just a deep amount of care treat, like taking a deep amount of care on something that seems really, really silly. So I'd say we had a lot of misses, like I described earlier with these builder type tools and things that we were making. But the first real hit that we had was this uh, project called Dead Gods. And the idea was, again, looking at things from common sense. So we looked at the, like, what was the number one complaint? Even if people didn't articulate it, you look at the floor on any marketplace for D gods back when we first launched, and it was just disgusting. It was just ugly, like just didn't look good. And that's because we did not, you know, spend that much of time on the original D gods art, maybe two and a half, three weeks, full on giga sprint to finish the D gods artwork. And so we looked at the floor and we're like, okay, well, let's make the art better. I think a lot of people might not say that this is why they're not buying, but when they're trying to spend a lot of money on a JPEG and they look at the JPEG they're buying and they think that's ugly, that actually is driving a lot of people to not buy a D-God. And so we tried to just uh, make a new version of the artwork, but instead of inflating the supply, we just wanted to read, literally change the JPEG on the original NFT. And we went into this world of dead gods uh, where you know the idea was to just make something that was pretty... Uh, intense and punk and just uh, dark and, and but still yeah just edgy and something that people were not expecting and that started this three month journey that was just literally redoing the artwork now that's a huge meta people do it to like save their project and stuff like that but at the time you know nobody was even thinking about hey like maybe the problem with my nft project is the art sucks and that was like a simple insight that we had but we took it so fucking seriously three months like pouring over every trait i think we have you know, hundreds and hundreds of traits that never ended up even making it to dead gods. And it was just this full on deep focus on making the art something that we were really, really proud of. And that was the first lesson for me that, hey, a lot of stuff that drives value in NFTs might not be directly what people are asking for, but what they, what's actually driving their purchase decision, what's actually making them want to buy or sell or hold an NFT collection. And being proud to represent the artwork is probably one of the highest uh, impact variables in the space even today as much as people don't want to admit it there's so much in that like holy shit um <laughs> frank let me ask you this question yeah. man like a lot of people think that you came over like came into the scene overnight right like it just like happened overnight but we we know that you're a serial entrepreneur yeah. like this is like what your fourth fifth sixth venture right like in actually coming up to swing like I'd love to hear about your entrepreneurial journey because you've got some pretty big earned stripes like fucking Y Combinator, you know, 500 million valuations. Like, you, Street, right? yeah, yeah, Main yeah. Street. Yeah. Like, you, you, you can go toe to toe with some of the most seasoned entrepreneurs. It's not just NFTs. So I'd love to hear that story, man. Yeah. So m my life started be wanting to make movies. Um, I, uh, I went to high school and I, I wanted to make like, you know, write and direct basically motion pictures and so i applied to all these different film schools but when i was in high school i grew up in la so i, I started working like perfectly you know, professionally in the film industry when i was 14 kind of under the table and i would skip school a lot of days to 
go work as like a grip and anyone that's been in the film industry you know like it's you know it's labor bro like i was working as a grip <laughs> it's grueling yeah, right? yeah, yeah it's, it's hard yeah work my way up to be like a gaffer some of the biggest music videos i i was doing like lighting for when i was 17 18 was like vince staples uh geez e40 okay. yeah yeah so i was like right. on the yeah, film right. grind and then i got into in the trenches in yeah, the trenches. yeah. And, and it taught me a lot about work ethic you know when okay. you're working on a film set you just can't you can't be inactive like you can't be brain dead at any point and it's a 14 hour day where did so you, you learn that work ethic? is it from your family is it like so my, yeah my dad is like you know I, my dad has just been grinding since i was born you know classic story immigrant story right came from yeah. like a fucking slum in india and made like a life for his family out here so he's my hero at the end of the day yeah shout out to, yeah, shout out to yeah, yeah, she's yeah, the fucking yeah. go um but you know i think growing up like dude the film industry is a huge part of what taught me work ethic because you can't hide like that's the thing in a lot of corporate jobs, startup world, et cetera, you can like hide through all the layers of bureaucracy of, hey, like, oh, I don't need to do this thing or that guy, other guy's going to pick up this thing. But when it's like actually just physical labor, 14 hour days, multiple day shoots where everyone's recognizing you and you're like trying to get noticed for how hard you're working to get to the next ring. You're just basically attentive 24 seven, figuring out what people need before they need it, trying to provide, you know, as much value as possible. So I did that for four years, all going going all throughout high school. But what happened was by, by the time I got to UCLA, I was fucking jaded by the film industry. I was like, dude, like, <laughs> I don't people, know if this is everything. Do yeah, it'll I don't do know if this is <laughs> all these kids at UCLA they got into, they were like so bright-eyed and like, oh my gosh, like so excited to make movies. For me, I was like, fuck, dude. Like, it's kind of like, I don't know if you guys like want to work on sets. Like, it's kind of a grind. And that's when I got kind of started making friends with people that were more on the entrepreneurial side. And that's what started this kind of saga where we... Who red-pilled you into entrepreneurship? What was like that moment that red-pilled you? Paul Graham. So Paul mm, Graham... Shout out to the OG. I remember, I think I was on like Reddit and I found a Paul Graham essay, uh, Startup Equals Growth. And I read it and this is like deep in film world, all this stuff. And I read it and I was like, holy fuck, like everything this guy is saying just makes so much of sense. The writing is so clear. And I went like on a deep dive on all this Paul Graham stuff. And that's what made the dream for like Y Combinator happen. Cause I was, I was like, oh, this guy is the smartest person I've ever read. You know, you sometimes just notice people that are like, oh, this guy's on another wavelength. I yeah. want to be there. I think a lot of people when Naval went on Joe Rogan, you know, like that, that was, was like an awakening moment, moment, moment for yeah, pros yeah, in their twenties yeah, yeah, yeah. across the world. Because it was like, damn, like there's another way to think about this life shit that, um, yeah, it's a, it's a game. And so Y Combinator became a massive goal and uh, we had this startup well, yeah, and it wasn't even a start. It was more of a side hustle where we were doing deliveries on scooters. We made like this website where people could order whatever they wanted and we would basically just deliver it to them. We started noticing a trend where people were ordering the same like the same things over and over again. And so then we just started stocking up on those in our dorm and in our apartment. So then we were able to advertise under 10 minute delivery because we didn't have to go to a store and it was just like problem solving along the way. And we started making so much money doing that, that I was like, okay, maybe we should apply to Y Combinator. I mean, I don't know how this thing is a startup yet, but I think we can like, let's just apply. Let's see what happens. And so then we got into YC and it was cool because they basically forced us to drop out, which made it a lot easier for my parents to like understand the you decision. You got that validation. Yeah. That would be a tough conversation. I was like, the guy for the made Twitch is like telling me I have to drop out, you know, can I, can I do it? And they were like, fine, you know, it's okay. And so basically that's when real life started for me. It was after dropping out sophomore year and then doing this duffel grind for another year, I kind of realized, man, like I don't want to do you know, deliveries for the rest of my life. And I was non-technical when 
we started Duffel all throughout that process. And the thing I always felt the most envy of was like, damn, I wish I was on the developer side, uh, you know, of this co company, so I don't have to do as much labor. <laughs> to be honest, like I was, I think I clocked in maybe three thousand, four thousand fucking scooter deliveries Damn. in a year and a half. Like I was the main, and it was commissions. So I was like down on the grind, right? I was like making a, a cut on every sale whenever I would make the deliveries myself. So I, I was like, man, I really want to learn how to be a, a developer. So I went through a full stack uh, coding boot camp, literally like right after I left Duffel. Because I knew I wanted to work in tech, especially after the experience of Y Combinator. Um, learned how to code and got a job as a growth eng at uh, Main Street. And kind of just was there early days. Um, I think, you know, I, it passed me now. But I think I ended up driving a, a fuck ton of growth to, to, to Main Street early days. And then started making these viral websites on uh, Twitter, Bitcoin or shit is probably the most popular one. <laughs> and uh, the idea, <laughs> it was a pretty strategic move, honestly. The idea was like, hey, I'm not getting promoted at Main Street. I'm kind of young. They, you know, I'm not the most polished guy vaping on some fucking calls or whatever, so I get it. But even though I was driving results, like how can I get more opportunities so I could put more money into crypto? Was, and Bitcoin yeah. specifically back then was my thought process. So I started making these viral websites and then all these Bitcoin companies Swan Bitcoin Fold, uh, you know, Fold App were the two ones I love working with the most. And they would just contract me to do growth engine for them. So for for some of them, I would do like growth funnel and like help optimize where they're getting conversions on their mobile app flow. Um, and then others like Swan, I think I helped them optimize their YouTube account. Just like whatever it took to like help them hit whatever metrics that they were looking to do. And so by the time we started D Gods, I think we I had four. <laughs> almost full-time jobs, like kind of working them all at the same time. But I had this core group of friends where we were always scheming like, yo, what's this thing we do? Let's go start a business. Let's go make a fucking TikTok account. Let's go do something. And those are the guys that, you know, we ended up starting D-Gods with. And the thing was just like every other bro in their 20s in 2021, we were like, yo, let's make an NFT project. But I just think we had the right group of fucking guys. Uh, Johnny, who's our main artist, He's like a lead singer in a band before this, but he's also <laughs> just that. so raw with, uh, you know, just so raw with understanding visuals, design, the psychology behind design. Yo, we need the link to his music, bro. Oh, yeah. Wait, yeah. We need the Spotify. No, we need yeah. the Spotify, bro. Yeah. It's sick. I'll, I'll share it. SoundCloud. Yeah. 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 I want that SoundCloud. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, I think like it was a lot of it was, I, I still think to this day, a lot of this is luck. But I do think we were just the right group of guys where it was a good mix of talent um, for, for building an NFT project. And, and that was kind of like the most of the story, I'd say, like leading up to uh, D-Gods. So I don't think I'm going toe-to-toe -to -toe with a lot of these entrepreneurs because some people have had, like Luke Annette is a fucking legend. Like I never achieved, like D-Gods is the most successful thing I've ever done. It's not close. Kevin, who's my co-founder on the other hand, uh, on the Dust Lab side, he is deeply accomplished, right? Bro's got a fucking Wikipedia kind of created Microsoft Outlook, uh, you know, and, and sold that to Microsoft and then was like running a 200, 300 person engineering team at Instacart uh, for the last four years. I met him at UCLA, at a UCLA alumni event three years ago and we just stayed in contact. I just thought he was one of the smartest, again, one of the smartest people I ever met. I just wanted to latch on and like keep talking to him and learning. And uh, just feel grateful that he's on the team because he's a real heavy hitter. I'm what's just that? I'm just a hustler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's that? What's that partnership dynamic like for you guys? Like, how do you guys kind of work together, and how do you sort of like you know uh, divide and conquer? I think with Kevin, he there's a lot of things. I don't know where we'd be without Kevin, but he just taught me this deep, deep sense of responsibility to everything that we touch, to the internals of the company, to all of our holders, to all of uh, you know the, the employees of the company. Because I think I can get oftentimes very holder centric, 
And I think that's our good balance, right? Where Kevin is also very holder centric, but he understands like the bigger picture. For me, I'm like, I am like a fucking NFT kid at the end of the day. Like I, and that's what I think helps us a lot. Like I'm listening very, very closely to what people want in the community. But sometimes that stuff that I want to do is not realistic. It's not going to hit a timeline, et cetera. And yeah, he, he he's brings a lot of order to the chaotic style that I tend to run things with. It sounds like there's a good yin-yang balance. It's, that's the best way to describe it. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's really yeah. dope, man. Because like when, I, when I'm hearing from him man, right now, Matt, it's like, yo, I went up to bat. I got a couple home runs. I got a couple swing outs. I, it's like the Babe Ruth mentality, you know? Mm-hmm. He had more strikeouts than home runs, but everybody remembers you for the home runs. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, that's the reality. So speaking of home runs, man, I want to dive into the details of what you just fucking did uh, with the community, man. You negotiated a hell of a deal. So like, first and foremost, I want to clarify this. Like, not only did you move the collection from one chain to another, but you got paid in the process yes. to do so. So th- I'm an M&A guy, yeah. right? Like I, like I think in M&A mergers, acquisitions, like this is like an incredible, like, business case it's a clue, right yeah like yeah. It's, it's really incredible. like i love to dive into the background give us the backstory of how this conversation started what was the negotiations like and like as much alpha as you can give us we'll take yeah. it <laughs> yeah absolutely so i think the idea of going to different chains started becoming more and more real in the like basically the two months after the youth had minted you know, like the, the the tubes themselves. We were just looking at the outlook and we felt like, hey, there's a 10 to 11x depth of liquidity on mainnet ETH than there is on Solana. And there was a point where we became like the number four biggest project by market cap on Sol, like leading up to Utes coming out. So it was just like a numbers thing where we were like, hey, what's our upside and the potential growth on a chain with like a much larger depth of, of liquidity? So that made D-Gods to ETH a no-brainer, to be totally honest. And that was something, if you really look back at the records, even before FTX crashed, even before all the stuff, we were planning to do it at some point. I think we accelerated that timeline. I think with Utes, it was very interesting because the thought process was, hey, if we take both D-Gods and Utes to ETH, we built Utes as a project to be the main characters almost of their own universe. Like they're not, you know, they're not the little companions. They're actually like a full-on collection with their its own lore its own story its own own. yeah they stand on their own yeah and so we thought hey maybe maybe there's an opportunity to find another chain that you know what we did with solana and what we did on solana can we find another chain where we can simulate that type of growth but have you to be like the main characters instead of being kind of in the shadows of d gods and so that's what started these conversations with all all these different blockchains and to be totally honest like the money part of it was interesting because that was just uh uh what's the best way to put it it was just like everybody was throwing checks, <laughs> like to be honest, right? Like yeah, it's yeah, yeah. pretty rare that you have a collection that's already successful in secondary, de facto, like number two, right behind D Gods on Soul, um, like already has a ton of volume, breaking all the volume records. That's migrating, and uh, we're saying that we want a proper migrate, not just uh, you know the two way migration bridge where it's like oh you can choose whatever chain you want to do. No, it's like we want to make this a migration move. So I think you'd have to be pretty dumb to be in like a blockchain BD uh, team to like not be pretty excited about that. I think the best way to put it is Polygon was definitely on the smaller end in terms of check size compared to any of any of the other blockchains. We just felt like after seeing Trump NFTs and Reddit NFTs do well and like not only break 
both uh, you know volume records with the with the Reddit NFTs. But for Trump, I mean, dude, those Trump NFTs are still top market cap. Like I think it's top twenty market cap across all yeah, NFTs. It's very real, man. Forty five thousand supply sitting in like a 0.5 to 0.7 floor at any time. No joke. It's a no joke. It's a serious fucking collection. And people just, again, it's that counterintuitive thing. People don't want to acknowledge the, the numbers, but I'm a numbers guy. So looking at that, we're like, okay, there's something possible on Polygon. And then actually talking to the team, they're just sharks. Like they're killers. Like when it comes to making things happen, moving the needle and just being super detail oriented and, and responsive. So it just came down to, hey, what blockchain do we want to run this use experiment on? It seemed like Polygon was a no brainer by the time that we made the decision. And um, yeah, I'm really, I'm, I mean, so far, right? Like, I think the highest ETH sale between D Gods and Utes happened on Utes. Uh, the CEO of Black Rifle Coffee got a 101 Ute for 75 ETH, which was like, that's fucking yeah. huge, yeah. massive. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm excited, man. I think that there's a lot of potential. And dude, I, without even spoiling much, the BD conversations that we are now a part of because of the Polygon fam. It's fucking nuts. Like I just, it's not, ha it's not Yo, even happening on mainnet. Tell, tell us what's coming up, bro. Give us a, give us a glimpse. Give us a glimpse. I think the thing that people, I, I think the diehard D God people and youth people know this, but I need to always reiterate it. Like I think our killer edge in NFTs is our taste and like our care. And so the idea that we'd ever do a project that we're not like deeply proud of is just, ne it's just never going to happen. Like I, I'll delay it fucking five months before we launch something bad and i think our track record in terms of like actual digital assets on the blockchain d gods and utes like that's the two and i don't think that there's any misses there but when it comes to other brands i think we want to do what would look like a collaborate collaborative like nft drop with some of these really Yo, big brands. now good d gods yeah. bro let's talk you know yeah. what i mean like, yeah <laughs> and i think um it just depends on where where do we feel like we can grow our audience with a strategic niche mm -hmm. and that there's going to be liquidity and market for whatever this new digital you know collectible new nft will be and that's very important to me like with the bitcoin ordinal drop a lot of people were fading that and they weren't certain because why there's no volume on bitcoin before bitcoin d gods i think it was like uh, you know, besides a few really big sales, maybe a few hundred thousand dollars in sales, Bitcoin D gods did 2 million uh, USD in the first day. And that's because I knew what we needed to do to kind of create that secondary market there, which is like lubricate it with these spreadsheets. And yeah. people were again, fading the spreadsheets. They were like, oh, that's so dumb. Everyone's making fun of on Twitter. But that's that signal for me. When people are making fun of something on Twitter, I'm like, okay, what's going exactly. on? Let's pay attention. And it Tune just in. made it easier. The, the simple insight was, now you don't need to have Bitcoin to make a trade to get a Bitcoin asset. Because if you do it OTC, you can trade a lot of people. That The guy that bought the $100,000 one on the first day, mm -hmm. he did it with USDT on ETH. You know, But because it's an OTC swap, you have a trusted middleman. So you can do a swap with other assets, D-Gods, you know, with, with Soul plus ETH plus Bitcoin. Like, so people were mixing and matching. And that helped facilitate that early days of trading, which is so important. Yeah, this reminds me of yeah. like 2015, dude. Yeah, 2014. Yeah, it's yeah, like, because yeah, like yeah. the spreadsheets, like that was part of like that, you know, like that, yeah. that reminded me of the early Bitcoin days, yeah. Yeah, that, like, yeah, which dude. were exciting. Yeah. Like that Yo. DIY, like no yeah. guardrails, like Yo. literally can't trust, Do like, you, you know, not your keys, not your coin. Dude, like, I, you know? I thought about buying Bitcoin. And the thing that scared me about buying Bitcoin in 2011, 2012 was that I had to go either on Craigslist or eBay to get a fucking Bitcoin in a USB stick. Yeah. And I was yeah. scared that it was going to be like a, a, like a fucking thing, but it like was OTC. <laughs> Dude, I just can't help start as I'm listening to you. I can't help but connect dots, right? I, like I'm a connect, I'm a connect dot connector here.
what role because you're you went to film yeah. that's storytelling yeah you know what i mean yes like what role does storytelling because you play within it within your community within your ecosystem and how much of it is it lore and how much is it like your life no i love this question because when i was uh when i was like getting really deep into film i i found myself always gravitating towards certain directors that made movies that felt like real life so for film buffs it's like richard linklater werner herzog you know a lot of the dogma 95 stuff and 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 things like that where it was just it felt like I was watching a fucking document. Mark Duplass is another one I really like a lot. Puffy Chair. Uh, but it's like movies that felt like I was watching the real world, but it's not boring either. And there's a mix, right? There's a way to do something that feels like a documentary that's just really fucking boring to watch. And that's a lot of these art house movies, like a vast majority of them. But there were these certain guys that were able to make something feel fucking real but also pace it well and make it like an actual narrative with a three structure, three act structure, and like actually just make it interesting to watch. And those are always my favorite movies. So coming to D-Gods and, and, and NFTs, I think our unique insight there was as much as people might be quote unquote like excited about lore, I think most people that are in crypto today get more excited about the story of the garage. Like, oh, these fucking kids are making this out of the garage and it's growing and it's growing. But you tell that in a, artistic way so when we do like these videos it's like it, we're, we're creating a narrative of almost a hero's journey of d gods you know and that i think makes all of us that are part of this community together feel closer aligned to this mission like the meme of d gods you know for the last year almost has been fucking number one like number <laughs> one what the fuck does number one mean it can mean a lot of things it can mean market cap it can mean volume it could just mean vibes it can mean community but that's an ambitious goal that everyone that signs up and buys a d god knows hey we're all gunning for that we're not settling for anything less than that so if you want to be part of the journey you can join when we're number one or you can come in to join towards the journey of going to number one and um i think that's the meta story i come back to where that's what i think people actually want to see i think people actually want to see the behind the scenes they actually want to see a bunch of fucking people making a company that's in this fucking weird world of Web3 with magic internet money, figuring it out along the way and, and being a part of that story. And to me, that's way more exciting than the Wizards of Cab Cabrovia or like, you know what I mean? The fucking <laughs> mystical elf or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I, I actually don't think people get excited about that as much in crypto as they get uh, about the meta story. So that was that insight that we had and just trying to do that in an artistic way always. That, that like shared energy, right? Yeah. That communal sense yeah. of like purpose and community direction, right? And like, I feel oh, like- Dude, he's exactly. building a fucking no, cult. 100%. He's culture, dude. <laughs> 100%. And you know, I feel like you've navigated it really well, Frank, like in terms of like being the face of the project, being out there interfacing with the community, but also like you said, constantly shipping quality, delivering. You know, I migrated my ute. That was incredibly easy. Yo, that was like, yeah. that was like, I, I was amazed at how seamless and actually beautiful, like beautifully designed that process was. I know that's not an easy thing. A lot of work goes yeah. into doing that, yeah. right? And so like, I'd love to hear your thoughts too, man. Like as, you know, a founder in the space, interfacing with holders, the ups and downs of the markets, you know, the crazy blur farming that's going on, like all of these different factors that play into like different pressures and complexities of being a public facing founder in, as you said, uh, in, in, in this space and also an NFT kid at the end of the day, like what do you attribute that success to? That's a good question. I mean, I think one, I am very, very lucky and blessed to be like younger, honestly, in the space where I, and I, like I mentioned my story before, like I've been interfacing with 
like social media since like I was very, very young. And I think a lot of that comes more nat nat naturally to me now. But I think building in public, if that if I'm getting the question, you know, mm -hmm. uh, right here, it's a unique blend of, hey, you have to signal a level of confidence where you don't want people to feel like there's no direction at all, but also be very ready to be vulnerable when the direction is like not going in the right way. Mm -hmm. I think that's the fine line that everyone gets either tripped up on or adopts really well. And so without even like naming certain projects, they'll launch something and it might be off target. And in NFTs, by the way, if you like launch something that's off target, it's like you're Satan, dude. Is it, you know what I mean? Like it's actually just wild. It's intense. But if you, people don't feel like you have their best interests in heart, uh, they will read into every subtext and like to try to prove that and then just kind of harass you for that. So I think just knowing when you make a bad decision that like, hey, this is reversible. Mm -hmm. And if there's a compelling argument for why this is a bad decision, like we will amend and update that decision. And I think that is the core fine line if I had to attribute to one thing that is super important for people to understand because at the end of the fucking day man like your nft holders are actually on your team even mm. though some days it definitely might not feel like that because they're asking you to do all this heinous shit for them <laughs> to just like get a quick you know dopamine rush but they are on your team and I think just articulating that to them and helping them understand that you guys are on the same team is deeply impactful and it's just an it's one of those things that it's not a one-time thing. And this is where most founders fuck it up, dude. It's not like a one announcement apology. It's not like a one-time like, hey, let's fix this or let's do this thing. It's this constant, you know, hitting the fucking algorithmic newsfeed game mm -hmm. of like, I need to keep reinforcing the vision. Or I need to keep reinforcing the direction or keep reinforcing this apology or keep reinforce. You have to just like constantly You're really good at apply that, that reinforcement because otherwise you, you, it's like, it's your fucking baby, dude. Like if you're not constantly giving the tender love and care, how, how can you expect that? How can you expect to receive that in return? That's amazing, man. Yeah. I think like to that point, one of the things that really like for me, that was like the moment that I was like, yo, he fucking gets this. You keep receipts. Yeah. Dude, yeah. you keep fucking receipts. And the other day, I think it was like a week or two ago, you screenshot of the Discord where you made an announcement and everybody was clowning you or everybody had fud on it. Yeah. And you were just like, yo, thank you for doing this because this fueled me. Like, <laughs> I'm keeping this receipt. And then the other one that was like really fucking motivating and actually inspired me. So I want to say thank you for this. It's like, yo... I go through every fucking discord of every fucking community. I go through every FUD. I search, I search term yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah, I yeah. search term Frank. And you guys are giving me insights on the areas that can improve. Yeah. But on that front, man, let's talk about, I want to talk something that it's very dear and dear to NFT now, myself and everyone else here is mental health. Mm -hmm. Right. I think like, I want to know what are some of your practices to maintain the sanity and the balance? Cause like you're so over like publicly, at least on the surface, your, your commitment to this project is unwavering. Like no one's arguing that. What, what are some personal practices that you have to keep you balanced, to keep you in harmony, to keep you in check? Yeah. I think in terms of like the literal personal practice, I've been meditating now for maybe four or five years. Like I got it really deep into it in college and I'm not even like a wishy gushy, like meditation person. I think it's actually just like a practical thing that, uh, re-centers me every day to just, you know, be, be very accepting of the moment. Like I think the definition of mindfulness, it's, 
it's just being aware. Like if I get angry or stressed or sad, like that's actually the wrong sentence to say. Like I am experiencing anger. I am not angry. Like I am experiencing stress. I am not stressed because there's a buffer between the emotions and the way that you think about things and like the reality of the situation, which is like, I have a fucking brain. I have a hypothalamus. I have like, um, you know, I have cortisol pumping through my, and, and honestly, just the act of recognizing that that's actually what's happening helps, I think, navigate through the day to day. But then the other part of it that I hope to maybe communicate through Twitter more often is sometimes I just feel like, you know, the way culture society is going today. I think sometimes people just need to hear like, Hey kid, just toughen the fuck up. Like just quit being a fucking baby. And I think like that, when I was growing up, I felt like that was just coming out of like our culture, you know? And now you have the rise of certain male like people in this, in culture that are saying that again. And people criticize those guys, but they're not looking at the view count and the comments and the number of people that resonate with that messaging. Cause it, it, it's been lost in like popular culture for so long. But I do think there's an element of it where it's like, dude, it's fucking JPEGs, bro. Toughen the fuck up. <laughs> you made like a lot. You made like a lot of money at the end of the day. Maybe, maybe you kept someone in the treasury. Maybe you didn't make as much, but dude, at the end of the fucking day, bro, like there's people working, you know, for thirty thousand dollars or less, hard labor, twenty four fucking seven. Like, let's just not complain too much. Like, I get it, dude. It's hard. It's intense, but have some fucking perspective and just toughen up and like just do your job. Like, just do what you're supposed to do and. That to me is a lot more powerful um, now and just like being in the arena, like working on shit, doing stuff. Like, I just think that's like the takeaway a lot of founders should have is just, bro, like just toughen the fuck up, like just deal with it, handle it. it, it it's actually more soulful and better, I think, for mental health for a lot of people to yeah. hear someone just say that that's an okay path. Because sometimes it's not good to be emotional. Sometimes it's not good to like go too deep into your own feelings and like question everything because you have a job to do, bro. You know, and like doing that job, I think it's that immigrant shit too in, in part. But <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's kind of my thoughts on the mental health right. stuff. And I love the the, the focus on perspective. Because yeah. like you're like, it's about also just recognizing your blessings, yeah. right? Like yeah. recognizing that like, even though you may be dealing with a, a shit storm on Twitter, you may be dealing yeah. with a discord and mutiny. You may be just dealing with like, you know, people coming at you and all yeah. these things. You're blessed to be in this position, yes. right? And, and it's like, yeah. and it's yeah. important to like, you know, come from that place of gratitude and that like abundance mindset, right? Yeah, hundred percent. On that, on that uh, abundance mindset, and also the gratitude and like toughening the sh the fuck up. Yeah. Like, what's next, dude? What are you gearing up for? What are you toughening up for? You know, like we have a saying at NFT now that internally in our culture is like, we never reach the top of the mountain. We only get to the bottom of the next one. Yeah. Like Sisyphus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so what's next for you guys? What's like, what's coming up? I think that we are, we spent the last three months trying to execute a, basically a chess move of this, uh, these migrations, right? Like coordinating it in a way that got 90% of both the gods and youths to migrate over basically within 48 hours. It might seem very simple on the surface, but there was a lot of theorizing, planning, you know, even like paying for the gas and building the contract that allowed us to front load the gas costs, but still allow users to do it. Making sure all this stuff is verified on both chains, having the, yeah. it was a process to, to set up. And I think similarly with Q2, we have our next set of chess moves here of just uh, growing the project at an exponential rate. And uh, yeah, I think like the goal is to kind of ideally be the number one project in the world by the end of Q2. That's fucking like it's, I just think the space moves faster than people think. And right now things are slow for D gods and youths. I get it. 
cool. Everyone's getting fucked up in New York. What's going on mm -hmm. with the actual NFTs? I know. Um, but yeah, I think that we're gearing up for some pretty, yeah, ambitious launches in by the end of Q2. So yeah. I cool. love that. And I'd also just love to get also like your macro perspective on where we are as a space right now. Yeah. Like obviously we're in a really interesting time. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about, um, you know, blur challenging OpenSea, the, the farming, all of that, like, yeah. you know, creator royalties, how are, how projects are going to have to sustain themselves in new ways. Like what's your outlook on all that? Where do you think like the puck is going? Yeah. So I think right now NFTs are in a shrinking period. So what I mean by that is like broadly, there is not new users. There's not necessarily even like new liquidity. So you're getting a pretty savage capitulation of the current existing assets and a lot of rotation happening and a lot of new bets at larger sizes being placed. And so what I think that looks like is consolidation of the space. And I've been ringing the alarm bells on this for maybe, you know, since last August, since last July, when royalties were starting to go to zero on Seoul. Mm -hmm. That's when I started basically getting infinity amounts of shit. This is what started the first Frank villain arc was like, <laughs> hey guys, I get it. Royalties are fucking great. What happens if they go away? Are you ready? I'm like, are, are you ready? Are you, what's your burn rate? Like, you know, are you going to be ready if the royalty actually go to zero? I can fucking sit here and I can go, you know, grandstand about how much I want royalties, how much we all love royalties and supports the space. I'm just telling you right now, there's like 500 wallets that control this whole fucking space when it comes to liquidity. And those guys that are flipping at size are the people that are paying your royalty check right now. And those people, I don't think want to pay royalties anymore. And I think they are going to move mountains to make sure that they don't want to do it. And I got in so much of shit for this. But at the end of the day, it's like, that's, I think what we're in the middle of right now is just a deep consolidation of the space. And so when, when that started happening with us, you know, we cut our burn by like, you know, like 60% laid off a lot of people on the team, like cut down expenditure. And um, now we're in a much better position because of that. And uh, I think that's not going to stop. Like, I just think that up until, you know, whenever there's a new crop of like really great projects, which who knows how long, and that's what I think really matters. When there's a new crop of really great projects, because I think the projects are going to grow the space, not the technology right now. Like, I think that the technology will grow in terms of like people might use it for tickets People might use it for like this thing or that thing. But for people that are here in kind of the middle, the art game, the speculating game, the community game, et cetera, if you want that to grow, you just need better projects. And so whenever that happens is when I think the space is going to grow. But until then, dude, it's it's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Toughen up. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah, it. It's a brutal market. All dude. right. Yeah. Last final, last final segment. Here we go. We have a little segment here at the Now Podcast. Uh, it, we call it Bullish or Bearish. Bullish or bearish, ordinals? Deeply, deeply bullish. Love it's it. going to be one of the biggest NFT ecosystems. And yeah, 100%. Or 99%, nothing certain. Yeah. But yeah. Bullish or bearish, Solana? Bullish. Uh, really bullish. I, I think that it, Solana has gotten to that point where so many people think it's cool to shit on Solana that I'm like certain at this point just to fuck everyone on Twitter, it's going to pop. So, <laughs> like, I'm it's like, at that point. It's, it's just like, at that point. You know, every fucking bozo on Twitter is like, oh, Solana stops or whatever. And it's like, all right, dude, like you're just one of the NPCs that's now going to get fucking mad when it pumps. And it's just, yep. you can see the patterns, I think, to a certain degree there on the amount of FUD that Solana gets for no fucking reason tune in when others tune out yeah honestly yeah, yeah. people oh. are just writing it off and people think i hate solana you know i still have a, i probably have more solana than most people watching this fucking po podcast so <laughs> i like solana a lot yeah it's highly likely yeah <laughs> yeah so so Not yeah. financial advice uh, yeah. let me uh bullish or bearish doodles bullish 
I support my fellow founders. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, look, the thing with Doodles is they have enough of a treasury, to be honest, to like figure it out. I think that people do overreact to certain things that Doodles does. And I think other things they took way too long to react to. It's the best way to summarize the current landscape of like the Doodles community from my perspective, outside perspective. I mean, I have a Doodle now, so it's a cool one, pink, all pink. But uh, no, I just think with Doodles, man, like they they might figure it out. They might not. And if they do, then I think that the art is fire. I think the community, when it started, is really good. It's just one of those things, man, when a project pumps really fucking hard too early, I I think it's just really hard to live up to, to be honest. And it's it puts projects in a really tough position. And the only excuse, you know, the, the only counter argument to that is like, okay, well, you, you raised a lot of money. But you, everyone that's really operating this space knows, even with a lot of money, it's really hard to figure out how to make quote unquote number go up. Because mm-hmm. where do you deploy that capital to actually do that? Everyone's an armchair quarterback. It's really hard to, I think, solve that puzzle. It's harder than most people think. But yeah, that's, that's my thoughts there. Excellent point. Yeah, that's uh, a great point. Uh, bullish or bearish, OpenSea? Bullish on OpenSea. Uh, yeah, because I think OpenSea, at the end of the day, it is like this default landing page yeah. for a vast majority of people currently in NFTs. And the question is, does Blur become that default landing page? And is that something that even interests them in building? I think that is the question. If Blur is going to go after that, I mean, Blur is a savage team and I think they're going to accomplish whatever they want to do. So it just depends on what they want to do. But I think OpenSea, dude, you can't fade OpenSea in the, in the long term, right? They're just really big and they have a massive first mover advantage. All right, last one. I think this is the most important one. Bullish or bearish, K-Money. Just super bearish, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Even the permables are bearish. Honestly, yeah, dude. No, yeah, K money to me is such a nov, like such a fucking. What's the best word? Yeah, just like a a player, just like a pretty iconic guy. Because people don't get it, like when they watch his content, they just think, oh, anyone can go make skits like that. Nah. But he's been doing it for like 10, 15 years now, and there's a timing, a cadence, a naturalness to the way he does it that. I think there's a reason that he is so clearly head and shoulders like the best video content creator in the space because it's it's not just like he o- he's only doing Web3. Like my little brother knew about K-Money through TikTok, like not even through NFTs. You know, and that was like crazy. Like I remember he saw a picture of me and K-Money. He's like, oh, I saw this guy on TikTok. I'm like, no way. I don't even know the fucking guy had a TikTok, you know? So um, yeah, he's the fucking best, man. All right, actual last one now. <laughs> all, right, yeah. all, right, all right, all right. Bullish or bearish? The now, now pass. pass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> took my words out of my mouth. So uh, let's do, let's practice this. So what's the pitch on now? I bought one, but because uh, we're homies. Yeah. But give me the pitch. Like, what's the idea behind it? We'll love to, yeah, to man, workshop that. Dude. Yeah, like, yeah. The now pass is really just a, a, your membership, like the key to unlock the now network, right? For us right now, we we see a lot of pain points in the Web2 business mm-hmm. model, right? Like the, the drive for clicks, the, the programmatic advertising, the house of cards, the lack of like the intrusion of privacy in your daily life, right? Like the tracking, the this, the that, like go on a website on a content, digital publishing specifically, like you're bombarded by ads, you're bombarded by this. It's like the cheap dopamine element. And it's really about value extraction on web two, right? What the model that we're building with the now pass in this membership is like, 
how can we share the value that we're creating with our community and making it a community-centric digital publishing model that allows you to earn rewards and points and things of this capacity as you engage, interact, publish, contribute, share our content. So it's really about this ecosystem mm-hmm. that it's similar to you. It's like thinking about yeah. a membership, right? Yeah. So the way that we're thinking about it is like, we're modeling after like Amex or your favorite yeah. like miles point to like yeah. on your airline, right? The more you consume our content, the more opportunities that you're going to be able to get, the more experience points. And it's really about changing the narrative on digital publishing. And now that the blockchain is available and also providing provenance, dude. Mm-hmm. Like when you think about tokenized content or tokenized media, it's really going to be the defining factor with AI and all this false narratives that are coming out, right? Like, take a look at the photos with Trump. Yeah, like the viral f- Trump ones. The, the, the viral yeah, this Trump, is crazy. Right? Yeah. Like, That's just the beginning. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. like yeah. with beginning. crude yeah. models right yeah. now. Like, we're going to need that on-chain provenance yeah. to know where did that come from? Is it a reputable source? Like, all yeah. that. So, like, there's elements of that with tokenized media. It's like the tokenization of media itself and then also tokenized communities around media brands, yep. which is where yeah, it gets, where it gets really exciting, yeah. right? Yeah. And, like, for us, we always, you know, we come from the web too. You yeah. know, like, we come from legacy like you know like media and we just saw how the web 2 model is so yeah. broken you yeah. know you have this clickbait race to the bottom we saw this in like the coverage of nfts during the bull run too like mm-hmm. you know there were those headlines that like if you understood how ethereum worked at all or any of these blockchains you're like no like minting an nft is an equivalent to like burning this many hectares of forest or whatever but they did that because they were out to generate outrage yep. and get clicks not to actually inform and educate yes. and serve a community rather than their advertisers. Right, so you guys have identified the right problem and pain point. I think the NFT DJ enemy is like, okay, so man, I really hope there's some sick airdrops or- No, and that's what I figured. And that's, I think the magic of the media company with the membership pass combined, because you're gonna be able to create distribution and awareness and marketing for potential drops or collaborations that you guys do, which I think that is a, a virtuous cycle if done well so that that's like what gets me excited about the now pass yeah yeah let's rock it awesome all right thanks frank thanks for coming thank you guys so much and appreciate it on a friday after fucking nft nyc yeah thank you to your liver you know what i mean shout out to the liver always a pleasure man awesome thanks wow well that was an amazing conversation like i'm flabbergasted dude to be perfectly honest. The energy, man, like, you know, even on a Friday of a big conference week, clearly we're all nursing a little bit of hangovers and a lot of Red Bull, but you know, that was that was a really special. Uh, what stood out to you? Uh, man, for me, Matt, is, you know, Steve Jobs has this, uh, on his speech, he said, you can only connect the dots looking backwards, right? And so hearing his conversation about his entrepreneurial journey of like, the movie sets, the Y Combinator, the hustling, the immigration, like the immigrant hustle of keep putting in the work and not shipping anything that's not necessarily the best in class. It's really amazing. The other thing that really stood out for me, man, is how he's really him, Kevin, and that, that whole team is putting together the cult and culture. And it's just, it's very evident, not only by the floor prize, but the way that they rally the community everywhere they go. What stood out for you, man? 
Yeah, look, I mean, I wanted to get inside his head and we definitely did. Uh, I'm just really impressed, man. Like, you know, it, it's really interesting hearing about the swings and the misses. He's not afraid to take big bets. He's not afraid to like, you know, take those risks. I think that's really served him well on his journey. I loved his perspective on how to deal with the holders and deal with the pressures of the community. And, you know, the wisdom that he brings to the table about like, look, like this is this is how you navigate it. These are the realities of it and that perspective. I think it comes from a place of gratitude. It comes from a place of hard work. And uh, there's a lot that young entrepreneurs, potential founders in the space can learn from listening to this episode. I, I absolutely agree with you, Matt. And it's like the toughen up mentality is really, really resonates with me. Um, but it wouldn't do any out service without saying this to you guys. Remember, the Now Pass is now available on OpenSea, on the secondary market. Get your membership. We're building the Now network and it's going to change the game on tokenized media uh but thank you so much make sure you leave a review five stars on this episode and thanks again for always being active listeners with our community we really appreciate you guys we will see you next time